My guest on the most recent podcast is James H. Williams. He is assistant digital sports editor for the Orange County Register, and he co-hosts on the Believe Network, a UCLA football podcast. He is stopping by to discuss the recent defection of both the Bruins and the Trojans from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. A very special edition. Every edition of the podcast is very special, but I want to welcome James Williams back to the podcast. We had him about a year ago, 10 months ago or so. And I want to just actually embarrass you a little bit. Because Go ahead. I'm all for when it. <laughs> we, when we met, you know, you were working at RCC and you're trying to figure figure your way out. And uh, you ended up at Long Beach State. But now, you know, you're the assistant digital editor, editor at the OC Register. You're doing stuff with the Believe Network on the UCLA podcast. You covered UCLA on and off for mm-hmm. the last few years. And you're still doing a lot of stuff in the digital space on wrestling. So I just want to tell you, it, it's been fun for me to watch kind of your your progression. Um, I remember we kind of first, I mean, I knew you who you were at RCC, obviously, because mm-hmm. we both worked at Riverside. But I got to know you when you were working, I think it was for the for the Press Enterprise, yep. and you were compiling high school football highlights. Yes. So mm-hmm. I would send you highlights from our games every week. Yeah, you're you putting were together a top. <laughs> you're, you're putting together a top ten now. I mean, you're. I'm looking on my Twitter feed, and we're going to get to the subject. But the subject oh, we're no, going to talk about today, yeah. all of a sudden, you're on everybody's podcast discussing mm-hmm. the subject you're going to talk about with me today. So before we get going, I mean, how's it been for you? You're still a young guy, right? I mean, what, what was RCC? <laughs> RCC was what? 2015, 2016. Ooh. Uh, it was, yeah, it was about like 2015, 16, something like that. It had been a little while. I was, I was there a lot longer than most students are, but Hey, but when you're in the grind and it's your uh, process, my friend, everyone's journey is different. And and that's what I love about telling stories, right? Just telling stories. and, And I always find it fun when, when people remember my story and, uh, some of the first people that I even follow on Twitter or that followed me, they still we still interact and, and it's fun just kind of like going down memory lane and like, I remember when you first started with the little Facebook page and all this stuff. So, no, it's been great. And thank you for all that. And, yeah, I, I think about bringing back those highlights um, all the time. Uh, and again, like I'm itching for high school football to start again here in the local area. So um, excited for that. Excited just for football in general and just just the future of football and where we're going. Obviously, uh, the topic we'll be talking about here in a minute. But yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the advice that I've always gotten, much like you, you mentioned with advice, it's like always look to do something um, different or find a way to tap into the community and the area that you're covering, especially for me being uh, more so based in the Riverside area. I didn't grow up in the Riverside. I went to Downey High School. So when I come out here, I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm, you know, born and raised in Riverside. Um, so I got to find a way to get involved in the community and, and and have people know who I am and get to know who's who and what's what. Right. And um, no, they, they've obviously opened me with welcome arms and and uh, it's been great. A very high priced elephant in the room, mm-hmm. James. And yeah. so uh, so I was telling you, I had a busy day Thursday because I knew I had to get to San Diego for the for the show. So I'm. I woke up, I think I was up about six o'clock. I was getting mm-hmm. things going, getting the emails going, returning the phone calls. And I get it. I get a, a Twitter message from my brother of all people, huge mm-hmm. college football fan. Okay. And it was John, I think it was John Wilner's piece yes. in the uh, San mm-hmm. Jose Mercury News mm-hmm. that informed me that UCLA and USC were going to join the Big Ten and they're awaiting confirmation. And obviously mm-hmm. we're nearly a week later here and it has all been confirmed yeah. Um you have been, I mean, not necessarily, I know you, you covered USC also, but mm-hmm. you've been deep in it at UCLA, football, basketball, the last couple of years. Um, 
Did anybody see this coming? Was there any inkling, James, from your people this was coming? Mm, no, not really. I, I no. I, I well, I guess yes and no. I mean, it was funny because I, so I, I do I do the uh, the UCLA podcast as you mentioned for the Believe Network, Believe in UCLA football, and I think one time I tweeted out, um, "Hey, if you guys have questions or comments for the show." Let me know. Leave a leave a tweet or whatever. And someone mentioned, I think, threw it out there. And I don't remember if they said Big Ten or Big Twelve, but they said, "Hey, like UCLA is going to the Big Ten or Big Twelve. What do you think about this?" And this is like at least a month and a half ago or whatever. And I'm like, "There's no way. What are you talking about? Why would they leave? Where wh where would they go? Why? It doesn't make any sense." And then what was it? Thursday comes around. At my phone, I'm getting calls on my phone. I'm just waking up and and I'm ignoring the calls. They're waking me up, but I'm ignoring the calls. And then I, I check my notifications and I see USC, UCLA headed to the to the Big Ten. And I'm like, is this a joke? I had to check the calendar and make sure this was an April Fool's because I hate as a journalist, I hate April Fool's because back in the day, um, Kobe Bryant was going to retire. John Cena was going to retire from wrestling. This, right, this, right. and that. So I no longer well, believe. But, but now you have, all, you have all those. But James, we also have all those fake accounts on social media now. Oh yeah, that are spreading yeah. this stuff. Yeah, people don't vet. And, and so and so I'm like I believe nothing. But then but John Wilner is 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 very well sourced when it comes to the uh, the Pac-12 landscape. And um, if he's putting something out and he and he's going to put his name on it, then it, there, there's some truth to it. So if it's coming from Wilner, I'm like, well, here we go. So I started answering some of those calls back. People were calling me and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I, the the most impressive thing about the whole thing is, um, you know, Rome wasn't built in one day. Right. And neither could a deal like this where where you're getting the movement the way you had it. But the way the way it all happened in one it didn't all happen in one day. But the time that we found out that. Oh, this is a thing. This is going to happen. And then hours later, it becomes official. How long of a buildup was this? How long did they know? And and like how long, you know, was it an easy come to? I guess I guess the whole thing is supposed to be like the conferences can't reach out to teams because then that's poaching, even though people are still calling this poaching. But um, I believe it came down to USC asking uh, the the Big Ten, hey, do you, you want to take us on? And in in the most wholesome cross town love affair that is USC and UCLA, uh, USC asked UCLA to to kind of join in, and, and of course uh, for the UCLA side, it it was a no brainer, I would think, and it was a, it's a good move for UCLA just from a financial standpoint because they took a pretty big hit over the last couple of years uh, financially. Um, you know the the numbers there could be whatever. Obviously the pandemic alone was would probably put a lot of people in the red right but i think even just prior to that um whether it was a lack of of just wherever the football team and the basketball team were before lonzo ball i believe um i, th I think there was kind of a, a bit of a hit that they took there financially so they were looking to recover and um just the the media partnership and contracts for the pac-12 and what will likely uh, be a hefty little raise for for ucla by joining the big 10 um, will be significant, significantly different, and uh, they won't be hanging out in the red for much longer, that's for sure. Yeah, depending on what you read, various mm -hmm. sources, UCLA has accumulated between 50 and $80 million in the red, and that's yeah. largely because they're paying coaches to not coach, and they owe a lot of money to coaches. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, depending on what numbers you read, I mean, it, the payout 
anywhere from 80 to 100 million a year in terms of media rights for the Bruins. So they can more or less put that debt to bed in a couple of years. In the first two years, they would start playing in the in the in the Big Ten with the fall of 2024. So by the fall of 2026, you know, uh, they, they would be they would be free and clear and, and moving forward. Um, the structure of it is interesting. And the obviously USC, the appeal for the Trojans is the football brand. Mm-hmm. And then the appeal for UCLA is kind of the top to bottom, you know, all this, the Olympic sports as well as the basketball. And then the alignment academically in terms of the research. And, you know, USC is not a bad academic school either, but mm-hmm. the UCLA, the research, you know, I think now the Big Ten uh, has nine of the top, I think, 20 research schools in terms of funding in the country. And there, there's a bit of a matchup there. But I'm going to ask you, I mean, you've been around the program. You've been around the people at UCLA. And from a financial standpoint, there is no doubt, uh, you know, it's you couldn't you couldn't not make the move. But from a cultural standpoint, basically, you're writing off 100 years of tradition to go yeah. play in, 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 you know, the newfangled world of college football. And, mm-hmm. and, and let's make it clear, this is a football motivated decision. Um, mm-hmm. Where where do you think what are some of the pratfalls UCLA could, could discover? You know, maybe the grass isn't greener on the other side, despite the level of money. Yeah, so that that's gonna be the interesting part, right? So you're gonna be obviously there's like just the the logistics of things, right? And that and that's why for me I'm like there has to be more to this. You're not just gonna have USC and UCLA be your only two teams on the West Coast, right? There has to be. That's why I thought maybe you're gonna get an Oregon or a Washington, maybe some other Pac-12 schools. I don't know how the logistics are gonna work yet because that's a whole lot of travel they're gonna have to be doing. Obviously for football, maybe not as big of a deal, right? Because it's only once a week and they can maybe take an extra travel day out there if needed. One of the things I'm curious about and uh, one of the things we were working on early into into the offseason after the UCLA football season ended was with Chip Kelly. Right. So he it was a matter of what what was his contract like? He was going to be headed into his last year and no one wants to, to kind of be on their last year uh, with one foot in, one foot out. So they went ahead and extended him and they could have they could have bought him out. They obviously they could have. But if you're already in the red, the last thing you want to do is buy someone out. Um, they go ahead and extend Chip Kelly. Now, the interesting thing with that is things we're looking up. They're coming off of a winning season, the first winning season with Chip Kelly. And that's not to say that obviously he's well respected in, in coaching circles and everything else. Um, you know, and it takes some time to build the program and get the guys that you want. But for Chip Kelly, now you give him a two year extension on top of the one year. So you're looking at, I guess, 2025. When you get to 2024, which is also the year you're supposed to be moving into this new conference, are you going to have Chip Kelly as your coach? Like what the the next two years will be telling of, of how invested are they into the Pac-12 play? Are they still going to be all in? Um, I, you would think so, right? Just with recruiting, knowing what's ahead with Big 12. But the last thing you want is to you know, have a coaching situation. You're trying to maybe take on a new coach um, by the time you start Big 12 play. Because because if you don't have a coach going into a new conference like that, where there, there's no, you know, there, there's some quality teams in that conference. And in, in the Big in the Big Ten, do you, is, is that something you want to be worried about? Now, again, we'll see what happens when they get there. I mean, Chip Kelly can leave next year. He can leave in the middle of this year. Maybe they let him go. You never know. But that's something that comes to mind for me, especially especially just because that was like the whole that was the high, that was the question of the offseason, um, especially early on was the whole Chip Kelly future thing. And now 
there's going to be some interesting talks again, the same way we had this year, when not only are they looking to make a jump for a conference, but who will their coach be? So, so that's something I'm keeping my eye on for sure. Is UCLA a better job now? They're going to the Big Ten from a football standpoint, James. Uh, yes, I, w- I would say so, and a lot of that has to do with just because what you can do with recruiting and saying that you're in the Big Twelve, right, or the Big Ten. Excuse me, I get all my my big my Pac Ten, my my big my Big Twelve and, and Pac Twelve mixed up. But no, going to the Big Ten, you're you're going to be able to say, hey, these are the teams that we're going up against. You know, we're going up against quality teams. You're going to be in a in a bigger spotlight you're going to be in afternoon games you're not going to be tucked away in the in the pac 12 after dark game while some people do like that just because it's the only game on um who's really watching it right so you're going to be in primetime games you're going to have some quality opponents um you know ohio state um michigan are going to be in that mix right so you're gonna you're gonna have some some good teams and i'm curious to see what happens with with the local talent right you're gonna have you i look at a guy like cj shroud quarterback at Ohio State took the Ohio State to the Rose Bowl led him to the Rose to the Rose Bowl game and they were successful beat Utah I was there for that one and does a CJ Shroud decide to stay in California obviously he went to Rancho Cucamonga um does he want to stay in, at USC or UCLA instead of going to Ohio State knowing he's in a conference that will be playing up against these Michigans in Ohio State. So I'm curious to see what that does for the recruiting for a U for a UCLA. I mean, USC is going to do its thing. And <laughs> with Lincoln Riley coming to town, we've already seen what impact he can have. But um, I'm curious to see what from a recruiting standpoint, what that does and if that can make the if that makes that job at UCLA that much more highly touted. And I, I don't want to say that it wasn't already because Chip Kelly is a, is a household name, I would think still just based on what he did and, and the respect that he has. You know, I've asked David Shaw about him and uh, Jimmy Lake and so many others. And they have had all nothing but good things to say about Chip Kelly when we've asked about him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think anyone would be would be more than happy to get that job. And that was actually something we were trying to figure out if Chip Kelly did leave or, or, or they didn't come to an extent uh, agreement on an extension. Who would be what would the field look like for UCLA it, while it was still in the Pac-12, right? Like what, you know, who who's it going to be? Some people are talking about Urban Meyer or something and things like that. David Aranda, which I thought maybe would be a little interesting. But after what he did with Baylor, I, I think he would want he would want to stay at Baylor. And that seems to be the case. But if you're going to be in the Big Ten, I'm sure you can probably attract a whole but a whole lot more in terms of some quality coaches. Uh, to UCLA. So just between recruiting and being in that conference, being again, uh, having that that schedule and, and a um, a lot better of a path to a uh, a national championship potentially, you know, I, I I think it can only mean good things for that for that um, for the for the for the landscape of that job and, and what it can be as a highly touted position. You know, you mentioned C.J. Stroud, but we had several. You know, J.T. Daniels, you yeah. know, D.J. Ewing in L.A. Mm-hmm. All these guys from Southern California said, Bryce hey, the Young. Pac-12, mm-hmm. Bryce Young, the Pac-12 isn't what it once was. And yeah. they decided to go out to the SEC and the Big Ten. And now with the UCLA and USC and the Big Ten, does it change that a little bit? Um, I, I want to also get to the other kind of the other side of it is mm-hmm. that the Olympic sports now are going to be traveling to the Big Ten. And, you know, I cover obviously baseball in, in the Big West, but, you know, mm-hmm. we get to play a lot of the big the Pac-12 teams in the USC and UCLA in particular and, John Savage a little bit, the head coach, and he released mm-hmm. a statement. And I mean, obviously, Coach Savage is going to be a team player, right? He's not going to say, but I mean, you could tell it was almost like 
kind of like a statement from a hostage, right? I mean, he has no choice but to put a positive <laughs> right. spin on it. Right. He's got to go play in the Big Ten. He can't be disrespectful yeah. to him. But yeah. you could tell, I mean, that that hurts for all, you know, and listen, this is all driven by football. We know that. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think, listen, can UCLA go out and be a powerhouse in the Big Ten? Of course they can be. But you're not going to get the level of competition in the baseball side as you would from the Pac-12 or mm-hmm. the Pac-12 or whatever it becomes. And I think it hurts USC a little bit in some of those non-revenue sports. Obviously, it raises the profile mm-hmm. in basketball and football, and that's where the money is. That's what they're doing. But, you know, UCLA has a track team that produces all kinds of Olympians, you mm-hmm. know, uh, on the women's side. Some of the women's programs, you know, soccer and water polo and things yeah. of that nature. Um, so, so that'll be interesting to see how it goes forward now. I guess the question I want to point to you is, and we had this discussion, you, myself, and Rahil Ramzan Ali had this conversation about 10 months ago because we were talking about the defection of Texas and Oklahoma um, from the the Big 12 to the SEC. Um, So I guess I'll bottom line it to you, James. In 2024-25, when these teams join the Big 10, will the Pac-12 exist? Woo! That's the question. Uh, Just based on the conversations that that have come out earlier today before we even started recording. I mean, it looks like uh, the Pac-12 is going to try and stay together for for with the teams that they have at the moment, and, and they're going to work on a, on some – they're jumping ahead on the media negotiations uh, to try and get that going. I guess uh, some of what I read from John Wildner is, is they were planning on having some of that um, originally just later this year, but now because of UCLA and USC and maybe them just wanting to add a little stability with their media landscape – uh, they jumped ahead and, and put out a little one-line statement earlier today and saying, "Hey, uh, we need to work on something, and, and we're and we're going to start doing that now." And we're and the you know the powers that be for all the different schools that are in the Pac-12 still are going to kind of try and work something out. Now that doesn't mean they may not add a few teams, and I think that's the goal. But then you're also hearing on the other end that you may get um, the Pac-12 merging with the Big 12. And it's interesting though because when Texas and Oklahoma left. The Pac-12 had the opportunity to do that to the Big 12 and decided not to, right? They could have added a couple of those teams that were still in the Big 12 uh, and decided not to, um, felt strong and comfortable with what they had. Obviously, USC, UCLA didn't feel the same way. But, um, yeah, it just some people are throwing out Washington, Oregon, the Arizona schools with Arizona and Arizona State and maybe even Utah being teams that are options to go ahead and head to the Big 12. So we'll see how that that plays out. It's kind of hard to say, right? I mean, we had a conversation last year, and I, and I covered UCLA, and I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't. They were the last thing I thought UCLA was going to do was move conferences, but right. um, you never you never know. And I think too with the Big Twelve, if they're looking to add some teams and like they're going to keep what they have, if Oregon and Washington do decide to stay, um, for example, I think if if Washington and Oregon leave. There's some trouble. I, I don't I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to survive if, if those two schools leave. But if they're looking to add some teams, I think you look at a Fresno State for me, someone who's, you know, just off just watching them play a highly competitive game against UCLA on the football field and and have had UCLA's number on the football field in like four the last like four meetings. And most of those were in the Rose Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then you also look at a team like uh, San Jose State, maybe I'm just I just kind of throw in there because they're a little they're you know, they're in in uh, California. But also um, the other team I have is San Diego State, who, who kind of made some noise and, and were, were ranked there a little bit as a top 25 team. Maybe they get into the Pac-12. You never know. If the Pac-12 is counting on Fresno State and San Diego State <laughs> sure. to save them. I mean, you you better just put it to rest right now. 
the Big Ten right now is waiting on Notre Dame. Okay, so now Notre Dame's in a weird situation because they're, they're always in a weird situation. With, 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 <laughs> well, they have a grant of rights with the ACC, not for football, mm-hmm. but for their other sports. For right? their other sports so, correct. could you bring football into the Big Ten and keep your other sports camped in the ACC? That, that's a question that probably would not work in terms of the TV money, right? So yeah. they have, but they have tons of money. So if they want to make a decision to move to the Pac, the Big Ten, they will. So, but that will affect the Pac-12 because probably mm-hmm. if the Big Ten, so right now the Big Ten's at 16. If they go to 18 with Notre Dame, they would probably take Stanford from the Pac-12 to collateralize because I think Notre Dame and Stanford have played 24 in the last 25 years, yeah. and then that opens the door potentially, as you mentioned, Washington and Oregon. Why are Washington and Oregon attractive to the Big Ten? Well, it brings the Seattle market, mm-hmm. and it brings Nike. Yeah. Bill Knight and Nike. So everything I've read, today, I think Wilner had another piece out today, and he John did, yeah. Canzanaro, who, who's on his Substack. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the the fate of the Pac-12 pan, hangs in Phil Knight's hands because Phil Knight at this point he's kind of done doing everything he's doing. He's kind of almost like an elder statesman, almost like a kingmaker yeah. now. He tried to mm-hmm. buy the Trailblazers. Um, but let's go back to our podcast from last August. It was August sixth okay. last year, mm-hmm. and we were talking about when that move was made. I felt the Pac-12 needed to be super aggressive at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of we kind of worked it out between ourselves. Hey, go grab BYU, okay? Go grab Boise State, and then extend the footprint into Texas. Because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, in the last week or so, since Thursday, since the whole mm-hmm. thing with the, the Big Ten has been announced with UCLA and USC, it's become fashionable to bash Larry Scott, okay? And yeah. listen, the guy it's deserves been. it, okay? <laughs> yeah. the, the TV deal blew up in his face, but it's interesting because – I think what people don't mention is the two mistakes he made actually had nothing to do with the Pac-12 network. So mm-hmm. our, our guy, Raheel, you know, mentioned it last year. In 2010, they made the big move to try to basically bring four uh, uh, Big 12 teams into the, Pac, into the Pac-12 to make it the Pac-16 because mm-hmm. they wanted to bring Texas in, right? And it was going to be Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We're going to join, and they're going to split it up, and we'd be Pac-12 East and Pac-12 West. And so Raheel made a great point. He said, you know, so initially, from what I understand, the administrators of Texas were ready to go to the Pac-12. But it came down to some of the good old boys with the money. And now we found out ESPN was kind of lurking behind, right? So the boosters probably wouldn't have made the move had they not received assurances from ESPN, the whole Longhorn Network thing, right? Right, 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 right. Raheel made a great point. He said, you know, they said no once. You should have kept hammering on you know, you should have kept you. You should have gone back to Texas every year because you knew Texas was the linchpin. Right. Mm-hmm. If you get Texas, you would have gotten Oklahoma. You probably would have gotten Texas Tech. And if you get Oklahoma, you're going to get Oklahoma State. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was the one misstep. I remember I was a kid. You know, I, you know, all the pain you see in my face, James, I'm a New York <laughs> Jet fan. since I'm eight years Oof. old. And I, and I remember when the Jets in 1990, that mm-hmm. was the draft. I remember in 91. The draft where Brett Favre was in. They really wanted okay. Brett Favre, and they mm-hmm. didn't get Brett Favre because I think they were drafting 39th, and then the Falcons jumped up to 37th, and they drafted Brett Favre. The mm-hmm. Jets drafted a guy out of Louisville named Browning Nagel, who you never heard of who? for good reason, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the mistake, so Ron Wolf at the time was an executive in the Jets. He later moved over to the Green Bay Packers and helped build their, you know, mm-hmm. their Super Bowl championship teams. And he's always pointed out the mistake the Jets made was – the next year, he, the Falcons had fallen out of favor with Brett Favre, so he was available, you know. And Green Bay ended up trading a future number one for him, which at the time people felt was overpaying, but obviously it worked out, you know. 
So <clears throat> he said the Jet Scouts had it right. They knew what they had in Favre. They just weren't willing to pay the premium to bring him in the year after. And their mistake was, hey, you, you never know who's going to you know, trade above you. You can't control right. that. But when he was on the market, they should have gone out and gotten him. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened with, with Larry Scott is twofold. Okay, so you missed out on Texas the first time. You have to keep hammering him. But the real thing was when the Pac-12 network ex- kind of imploded, there was an opportunity to do a partnership with ESPN. Now, mm-hmm. the partnership would not have been as lucrative as the SEC or the Big 12. But it would have gotten you in the mix with ESPN, and then you could have figured out some leverage there. Because, And, and we'll get into it as, as we get deeper into it. It seems mm-hmm. that these moves, whether it be the SEC or the Big Ten, James, are being heavily influenced by Fox yep. and ESPN. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. both networks are denying it. But, I, I, I you know, there's got to be some <laughs> behind-the-scenes stuff going right. on there. And I don't think that USC and UCLA wouldn't have, would have made these moves unless they'd gotten the assurances – from the Fox people in terms of the revenue uh, they'd oh, be sure. getting, you know, it's 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 the scene in Godfather when they're driving in the in the in the car and and, and you know uh, uh, Marlon Brando as Don Vito says, until today I didn't know it was Barzini all along, right? Mm-hmm. So now we know that it's going to kind of it's a two horse race, yeah. and the two networks are really fueling this. Was there any thought to that? Like, did any of the UCLA people you talked to have any inkling in terms of the influence of the networks? Not really. I mean, the network thing really isn't isn't really talked about. But I think like that that got on my radar exactly what you said from Wilner. I think Wilner put that on my radar, especially obviously with if you look at half of what the panel is for the primetime game for um, it's well represented with USC. What do you got? Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner both on there, for example. Right. But no, I, I think for for the Big Ten and for Fox, I think. You know, there, there's a lot of interest there and they're they're highly featured on, on, on their primetime games right there smack in the afternoon. So, no, I, I wouldn't really say entirely the network comes to mind. I think there's a lot. It was interesting because there was just a lot of people kind of in shock with just, oh, this is happening. Right. Because um, one of the things I, I haven't done a podcast yet, even with with my co-host for um, the Believe in UCLA podcast, football podcast with Josh Woods. I text Josh. And I'm like, Josh, I think we need to do a podcast here. Stuff's going on. And he goes, he's in the Canadian Football League and he had a game that day. They had a, a uh-huh. weird Thursday game. And he goes, um, yeah, I heard about it. Like, I'm getting ready for the game. So obviously we can do a podcast right then and there. But he's like, I don't like it. And I'm and I'm like, ooh, I, like he didn't tell me much more than that. But I'm very interested to know why he doesn't like it. And I, I don't know if it has to do with tradition of the Pac-12 or what. But, yeah, the media markets really don't come into play. I think some sometimes, especially at, like, the athlete level and stuff, they're not really thinking about that kind of stuff. They're just looking at who's on the schedule next or whatever. And you're definitely – not that I've been able to talk to Chip Kelly, but if I were, the last thing he was going to say is, like, we're not looking two years down the road. We're just trying to have a great Monday, which is what he would always say. Um, so, yeah, we're, we, the, the media thing isn't isn't something um, – at, at the level anyone I'm talking to, they're not really talking about the, the TV landscape of things. Um, the same way the the athletic director and, and maybe some of the other big, the big higher ups would, would be talking about. But no, that, it wasn't really a thing, but it's definitely um, something that's that's a thing. And, and I, you know, they can deny it all they want, but they are going to have an influence because they have the money and they can kind of 
they're 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 the puppeteer, right? They're the one kind of pulling the strings. I mean, listen, and, and I'll tell you, as as a UCLA alum, somebody who went to UCLA grad mm-hmm. school, albeit, but I mean, I went to UCLA. I went to football games, the Rose Bowl. It is disappointing, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a hundred years of tradition, and it's these traditional rivalries that you wouldn't otherwise think about. You know, like mm-hmm. I've never been to Pullman, Washington, when I was in grad school at yeah. UCLA. I've never been to Corvallis, Oregon. And, and now I've no been to the, there was no rush to go to any of those places. Right? But I mean, I've been I've been to those places now, and I, okay. I get it now, you know, and mm-hmm. I get it, and I've been to Tucson now, and I've been to Tempe, and, and I understand now. I understand the Pac-12 that that footprint and that tradition. Now, the mm-hmm. Pac-12 really started mostly as a Pacific Northwest conference, and then obviously the California schools added in. But the idea that UCLA is not going to play Stanford and Cal every year is, right. you know, because I've grown up with it. Now, listen, I understand on the business side, right, um, why they made the decision. But the, the, the issue that I have, is I think this is entirely preventable because I think the Pac-12 was never going to get a deal the way that the Big Ten and the SEC got deals. But they could have gotten a way better deal than they had mm-hmm. because if they if they leveraged their markets in the West Coast and yeah. the regionalization of it, the college football has always been a regional sport. But you got to kind of think ahead. And the, the, this, this frustrating thing is, you know, Scott is a tennis guy, comes from the tennis network. And he should have seen how the tennis is focused around the four majors, right? And the, the and the Pac-12 should have focused around, obviously, you know, football, basketball. I mean, you yeah. pick two sports, you know, I, I think volleyball would have been a great choice because of the dominance of the Pac-12 teams in that volleyball. And maybe you make baseball, you make those the tent poles of your network, and you mm-hmm. fill everything else in. And, you know, like I've been reading a lot of stuff, and I, I, I think this is a greater issue than just one guy. Because everybody's yeah. kind of laying it at the foot of Larry Scott. And listen, he made a lot of blunders. Don't get me wrong. And he striped, you know, like from the, the profiles you read about him, don't paint a flattering picture. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. I never met the man, so I don't want to talk about it out of Scott's. But um, the issue really happened is that he had kind of one – He for a guy who comes from the TV background, he did not have a tremendous amount of vision. You thought – that was going to be a strength. That was going to be an advantage, right? It's mm-hmm. like hiring Colonel Sanders to do your catering, and the chicken's not good, right? <laughs> so, like, they hired a TV guy to structure this TV deal, and he did a bad job of it because he couldn't see 10 years down the road. And that's kind of what we're seeing now, James, is now, like, it used to be television was a three- to five-year window, and now with all the options, you know, the streaming and this, that, and the other, you got to look 10 years down there. I mean, it's been, what, 10 years now for the Pac-12 network? I was like telling you, I live three miles from campus, four miles from campus. I have DirecTV. I cannot get the Pac-12 network. There's no digital option for me to purchase, which I would gladly purchase. You know. Yeah. And coming from a marketing background, I was always taught if somebody is going to calls you and wants to give you their money, you figure out a way to to okay. make a deal where you can where they can you know mm-hmm. if they want to spend money with you, you will facilitate that as best as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think Larry Scott was a problem, obviously, with that. Because he's the ultimate vision. But where were these ADs in the Pac-12 to say, Larry, listen, we got L.A., we got Seattle, we got San Francisco, we got these three markets in the league. Let's leverage those until we can't leverage them anymore. You know, Phoenix, throw Phoenix in there. I think Phoenix is a top 20 market. And we have all these great markets. We have all these great markets. And you're telling me you can't get blood out of that stone? You know, that's that's what I'm angry about. It's not necessarily the execution can fail, right? But, I mean, <clears throat> to go to the KFC, if you're selling fried chicken, everybody wants burgers, you, f- you get a burger chef, James. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the way I looked. That's mm-hmm. the way I looked at it. No, like, like that's a good point, right? And it makes me wonder. So, <laughs> one, uh, I'm very excited to um, potentially be going out to the Pac-12 Media Day 
which is in, in L.A. Uh, the Pac-12 Media Day is at the end of the month, I believe, um, if I remember correctly. So the, stay tuned for that. That should be fun. Um, Wait, is, it, but, is it Vegas this year, James? Vegas? No, it's in L.A. It's it in L.A. LA. Okay. It's been in L.A., but that's the point I was going to make is especially with the new commissioner, George Kuyakov, or yeah, that's that's the pronunciation yeah. I'm going with. Um, he's uh, he's was kind of based out of Vegas. He was moving and shaking and doing some business in Vegas. And we saw a lot of that. He just had his one year anniversary. Well, the day before his one year anniversary as commissioner of the Pac-12 is when USC and UCLA left. But happy anniversary, George. Happy anniversary, George, indeed. Uh, I'm sure he didn't wake up happy. I'm sure maybe the, the candles went out a little earlier on that cake. But, I mean, I, I don't think this was the the nail in the coffin. But when you think about it, it's like, you know, you have a Pac-12 media day in L.A. You could have the Pac-12 championship game, maybe even at SoFi, right? But no, everything is going to Vegas. You don't even have a team in Vegas. But you're you're gonna. But I get why you want to have it in Vegas. There's the gambling. You you know, it's a it's a hub. It's an attraction. I mean, you're you're. John, one of John Wilner's one of the best things about him is he's in the Bay Area, which is where the headquarters was for the Pac-12. That's being moved to Vegas too. Everything's going to be in Vegas, yeah. and uh, it makes you wonder. Which, which, like, which I don't really, which I don't really understand. I mean, listen, I know, didn't it, either. It, it, other I, than George was based out of there, right? Like that's yeah, out of, maybe out of I mean, convenience for him. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up basketball with the Big East, and everything in the Big East was based out of New York City. And there was a reason because New York City is a capital of, of of basketball, and I think. When you have a market like L.A. available to you, you don't undersell it. You brought up SoFi, so I'm going to ask you, how long before UCLA is playing their home games at SoFi? Maybe both teams <laughs> are playing their home games at SoFi. you got the Big Ten. You're going to have all these people traveling from Columbus and Minneapolis and, you know, College Park, uh, Pennsylvania to Southern California. You make a deal now. And, so, and that's a t- tough thing now is that the media rights for UCLA are heavily tied to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. But now, the now you know, I guess the Big Ten is still tied to the Rose Bowl. But does, does UCLA make another big move? Because obviously SoFi is easier for the student population to get to. And then it'd be easier in terms of, I think so, Pasadena? So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. I, I don't mean to cut you off. But no, 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 so, it should. That's, that's why I, I had John James. I, you know I've things. Heard, you know things. I've, I've, I've heard this discussion before, like. Uh-huh. Boom! No, and, and the minute USC and UCLA went to the Big Ten, the first thing that came to mind is the Big Ten already thinking about having a conference championship game in SoFi, which is great. And I, but and I think even if one, yeah, you said it, the the Big Ten and the Pac-12 always meet up. I mentioned earlier Ohio State beat Utah in the in the Rose Bowl game, right? And right. so that's kind of part of it. Now, I I don't know. I it's just there's reasons why I think they if. I don't know if this is it. Well, if I think the Rose Bowl game could maybe leave um, the Rose Bowl stadium, I think that's a possibility just because we I, one of the lo- local reporters had kind of laid it out to me where there is just some uncertainty and some mixed feelings between the city and, and the Rose Bowl. Uh, committee more or less and that's been and i can tell you that's been, and that's, that's, been, years. that's been going on for 25 years thing, is there, right? there's, a, there's a back and forth between mm-hmm. the city of pasadena and not not the stadium in and itself but the people yeah. who are putting events on in the yes. stadium there always are issues and you know you've you've worked at events there i've mm-hmm. worked events there the parking is just a nightmare you know, to mm-hmm. get to get in and out of there and there, there's not the alleviation and i think the city does the best they can like yeah. to balance between their clients and their residents. But that's mm-hmm. always for 25 years. I, mean, I remember when I started at UCLA, 
there were places you could park in the city and then get over to the Rose Bowl. And they kind of shut all those down. Um, and yeah. there's no kind of credible mass transit to be able to get to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. So that's and, another and problem. To, and to your point, so that and there's a lot of different directions we can go to that, but I'll go with the transit part that you mentioned. So one of the things with Martin Jarman, who who came in as a new director during the pandemic for UCLA, one of the things he did, they worked they worked pretty closely with the Rose Bowl to get flashy lights, to get some different things going there, right? One of the things, the first because of the the quarter, I guess whatever it's called, the quarter, they work on a different semester schedule than. Uh, Cal State Long Beach and UCR right. and UCLA, like, all the UCs, all the UCs are on the quarter system. Yeah, so UCLA's first three games, their non-conference schedule, school is not in session, right? right. So you're right. having trouble getting students to even come. Those who are still local and whatnot, trying to get them to come to the games, and and they'll come to some degree. But again, you're not getting all your students. One of the things Martin Jarman did was, hey, we're gonna have shuttles that will pick up any and all students for free at the campus and we will drive you down to this down to the rose bowl and they've always had they've, 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 they've always had they may have they may have pulled it off when i was a student they had student shuttles did they good. you had to and get there saying, by a certain time yeah okay now before did he when did when were you allowed to leave were you able to leave whenever you want i don't know so this was like new to me yeah, and I that's don't, how I don't he remember, yeah. he he made it out like if you want to leave in the third quarter We'll have a shuttle in the third. Like you can le- come and go whenever. They just trying to fill the place, and that's been one of the bigger things, right? Is you know you're playing ho- last the season opener last year was Hawaii and UCLA, and while it was in a, an afternoon, a bit of a prime time spot because you're playing week zero, it was hot and fans weren't really feeling it, and fans didn't come out. And pr- the obviously the pandemic was what it was, and you didn't have any fans in the stands. But the year prior to that, which was my first year covering UCLA. They had a record low for attendance that year. Uh, they averaged in a, a, a record low that year. Um, so they've had some trouble getting that. Now, again, maybe that depends on, too, when you're getting Oregon and Washington coming in. They had LSU come in for, for a home game at the Rose Bowl, and that place was jumping, and that was the best I had ever seen it, and that was a great atmosphere. Now, it wasn't the same as the Rose Bowl, and that's the most eye-opening thing, right, is I'll cover UCLA all, all season. I'll watch those home games. From the Rose Bowl. But then when I get to that Rose Bowl game, it's a whole, I'm like, UCLA can never, like at this point, like this is what UCLA should be, but it's not. And I think to that, maybe it gets a little bit better. Now you're getting a lot more of these these big 10 teams that are familiar with the Rose Bowl and that area. If Ohio State comes to the Rose Bowl for a game against UCLA, I think that, I, I think fans would show up. Maybe just just come to California, not because it's like going to be some great matchup with UCLA anytime soon, I would think. But um, I, I think the familiar just the, them being familiar with it will help them um, maybe bring some more eyeballs to the Rose Bowl um, for those home games. But again, you're looking at, you know, I, I always go to Beyonce because I was I was on the Beyonce trail for a while just with with her tours and, and going to those concerts. I remember she James was H. Williams, part of part of the Beehive. I did not know that. I'm part of I'm part. I was I was part of the hive. I'm still part of the hive. I won't I won't deny <laughs> it. I'm part of the hive. I'm I'm all in on the hive, right? But I'm I'm more, um, I'm more Rihanna. I'm more Rihanna guy myself. But it's all I'm good. right. I'm right there with Rihanna too. You can't. There's nothing wrong with liking both, right? So, anyways, right. um, with I remember on the tour, like the formation tour, I believe it was at the Rose Bowl. If if they do this again, if she were to do it again, and she might, she's dropping an album. Um, if she does a tour, I'm curious to see is the Rose Bowl on that, or is it going to be SoFi? Because again. 
I'm starting to think of the Rose Bowl very quickly starting to look the Rose Bowl starting to look very quickly much like the form. Getting pushed on the back burner here pretty soon with everyone going to be hanging out. We saw it with the World Cup. Some people thought the Rose Bowl was going to be at the World the 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 Rose Bowl was going to get the World Cup game of some sort or be part of that mix representing California, and they did not. It went to SoFi, right? So how many of these events is the Rose Bowl going to lose? They're going to have the Rose Bowl game, but we've seen with the Rose Bowl game, and obviously this was because of the pandemic. And because it was a, a semifinal playoff game, they had to have the game. It didn't stop him. It didn't stop them from going to Texas and having that game. Right, right. I mean, maybe you break off the name Rose Bowl game. I don't know how you do that. I, I mean, that's the tradition. But again, you see with USC and UCLA, sometimes tradition doesn't matter or it's time to turn the page. And and you, you have to look past the Pac-12, Pac-10 history and move forward. So you're not left in the dust, right? Because if they're making these super conferences the way that they are, and some of these these bowl games want to be just as important with that playoff picture, you got to kind of maybe make a move and maybe we get the SoFi game. And and SoFi has already been open. To, they, they're hosting that. They host the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Not that it put a whole, maybe put a whole lot of butts in the seats. But uh, if you get the Rose Bowl in there, if you get that Rose Bowl game in there at SoFi, you have Ohio State, you have a Michigan fan base in there. Who's to say they, they couldn't help pack the joint? Now, remember, part, part of the appeal for the Big Ten with UCLA and USC is there's a good amount of Big Ten alums in the greater Southern California market, right? Yep. From San Diego to Santa Barbara. That's a big geographical area for them. I think it was like mm. between 5 and 10%. Uh, that's a pretty good saturation rate for those mm. Big Ten schools. And then, you know, people also in neighboring states, right? Nevada or, you know, uh, Arizona. Uh, mm-hmm. be able to make the short trip to Los Angeles for, for those games. But you brought up the Super Conference, so this is what intrigues me, okay? And a lot of my UCLA brethren, they're just crying foul. They hate this whole thing. Really? They're like, okay. 120 years of tradition, why are you getting mm-hmm. rid of it? But I think there's a little bit of glimmer of hope. I don't know how it would work, because the media rights are a big part of it, but if we end up, basically, it's the SEC and the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say, for argument's sake, the Big Ten now, they're going to they add Washington and Oregon. They add Notre Dame and Stanford. Mm-hmm. And then the SEC, in turn, raids the ACC. They bring in Florida State. They bring in Clemson. Uh, they bring in uh, Virginia Tech. And they bring in Miami, right? So now it's yeah. 20 and 20, you know? Mm-hmm. And then whatever the fallout of the Pac-12 and the Big 12, they kind of form. And I've seen anything from, like, 317. You know, they form, like, a, like a, a super conference. With three yeah. seventeen divisions or four sixteen divisions, I've seen either either or, or. So now you have these three giant football entities. Now it's going to be twenty twenty four till they can start at the very earliest. Or mm-hmm. I don't know when when Texas OU joined the SC. It might be a little bit sooner. But is well, there they, an they can't go until twenty five? I think. Okay. Okay. So it's around the same time because yeah, it's, it's the yeah. media deals, right? Mm-hmm. Can, mm-hmm. Is that enough time to work out? Like, can these schools say, you know what? Let's do these football and basketball super conferences, but for the other sports, let's keep it the way it was. Are is the toothpaste out of the tube? Are, are we too far gone to maybe go back? It is two years. I remember, you know, the great there's a great book which was later a movie called The Late Shift, and it was about Leno and Letterman after Johnny Carson retired. And Jay Leno got the job largely because of the work of his manager Helen Kushnick. She really did a great job playing hardball with NBC. But then NBC kind of reneged, not reneged, but they, they had second thoughts, right? Because, well, what do we do with Letterman? And they actually put a memo, a deal memo on the table that 
hey, Dave, if you sign this, they wanted to keep they didn't want to keep they wanted to keep it from going to CBS. So mm-hmm. if you sign this memo in 18 months, we'll reevaluate and we'll give you the show in May of 1994 or whatever it was. And obviously, you've ultimately turned it down and went to CBS. But I'm wondering, is there still any wiggle room if we go to these three football super conferences and basketball super conferences? Might there be a landing spot for some of these other lesser revenue sports to maintain mm-hmm. some of the integrity of the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the Big 10? I kind of heard some of that being thrown out, right, where it's just kind of like, hey, if this – like, again, if these are football moves, if these are, you know, maybe some basketball – influenced moves then just have it be those right you you mentioned john savage there he like he he didn't really want to be part of this um maybe you know find a way especially because you're playing a lot more of those games right you have a lot more of those games going on maybe you don't have to travel as you shouldn't have to travel as much maybe you just kind of regionalize some of that you're right but that only happens if the pac-12 can assert some leverage right And and that's the whole thing if they lose oregon or washington I don't really see that happening. Mean, you know, yeah. I think I think I think I think the cat's no. out of Stanford. I think the cat's out of yeah. the bag. That's why right mm-hmm. uh, Klyovkov now it's it's in his court, right? And right. you can lay the blame at Larry Scott for a lot of stuff, but this is on him. Anything when Texas going forward, and, yeah. And we and we talked about this last year when Texas mm-hmm. and OU left the SEC. I, my I came out and said, hey, Pac-12, you need to be aggressive. And our boy Raheel convinced me. I don't know if he convinced you. He convinced me that Houston would fit the Pac-12, you know, footprint. I remember, I remember he and, said that. And I agreed that hey, you know, it wouldn't be that it, it probably wouldn't be. Uh, it would be a smart move to get a footprint in Texas. You can't get mm-hmm. the Longhorns. That's that's the prize. Yeah. But if you can get you know Houston and TCU to collateralize, that extends the footprint of the of the Pac-12. And then if the Big 12 is able to collapse, you could dive in. There's some other schools available, you know. Yeah. And I, I said it then. I'll say it now. The Pac-12 will rue the day. They did not get into business with BYU. I understand why they didn't get into business with BYU, but from a money standpoint, you have a natural rival in Utah already there, yep. and you have a fan base in Southern California. And, you know, yep. Provo obviously, mm-hmm. and they're a football brand. Are they a football brand at the level of USC? No, oh. but they're a football yeah. brand. They have a football tradition. Boise was the other West Coast power. I thought they should add mm-hmm. and just go yep. to 16 with the Houston and TCU. But, you know, now the Big 12 is in business. And who did the Big 12 add? Well, among, they added BYU and they added Houston, among the other. I think Cincinnati and Central Florida are the other two. Um, but Klyavkov seemed very comfortable staying at 12. Now, listen, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you and I don't know. Maybe he had some other right. things in mind. But that leads me to believe that he was completely taken by surprise by UCLA and USC leaving. Oh, yeah. And if you're the commissioner of the league, that's not a good look. That's not a good look, James. So that, that's the thing. And that's, oof, that's what I want to know. Right. So that, that's what I heard. Um, I think it, it might've just been from Wilner or whoever, like, Hey, like he didn't know there was no inkling that he, he, he knew. I think when he knew we all, when, when he found out when the rest was found out more or less, um, to that point though, again, the big 10 and, uh, the back 12, we're supposed to be in this thing called the Alliance. <laughs> Yeah. And I thought that was a mistake. Cool. We, we, but we knew, we <laughs> knew that there was something shady from the beginning on that. Yeah, I mean, it was never that official. was that was the, the that was for the Big right, Ten. Gentlemen. That was to collateralize against the SEC, right? Yes. The Big right. Ten got in business with the Pac-12 and the ACC to defend them against the SEC. Mm-hmm. Nobody figured out how to defend themselves against the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's the interesting thing. So I, I, I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall for that conversation, assuming they have had this conversation by now with Kevin Warren and uh, and, and George there. Oh, I want to know. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you think they had a friendly alliance bit like conversation or do you think uh things have changed in that regard over the last year because I mean, uh I think in business there's never I mean it sounds horrible right from like a mm-hmm. like mental health there's never full trust right because you understand you know, I I always tell this to my friends it's like you know I've met a lot of athletic directors I've met a lot of university presidents mm-hmm. they're very nice people okay but if you think they have anybody's interest in mind except their own you know, you know, uh, that's what they're grow up, for, though, no? grow up I right? Mean, yeah. And I'm not saying it makes them bad people, but the second your interest goes against their interest, you're yeah. you're not a priority for them anymore. And that's mm-hmm. just that's the nature of the beast. And I'm not saying it's right, but that's just the way things go. And league presidents is the same thing. They're out executing an agenda. They're executing a vision and an agenda, and they need people on board to to you know to be supportive of it. To me, James, though. That's that's a benefit, but it's also a negative because if you yeah. don't have somebody in that room who can challenge your views, you put yourself in a weakened position. That's that's my opinion. And I think that's I mean, that's what it comes down. It's like survival of the fittest. Right. And if UCLA and USC wanted to be a part of the boat that they thought was going to be going in the right direction or, or help push that boat in the right direction. And they didn't see that with the Pac-12. So maybe George was comfortable with uh, where things stood with the Pac-12. But again, if you're USC, you're UCLA, uh, and, and what could be coming here, you know, just the hype already. I, part of me wonders, does this, does a lot of this movement happen if Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams aren't there, and the guys that they're getting, they add Jordan Addison, who was the Blitnikoff winner from at Pitt last year. Like, do a lot of those moves. If John C. Riley is the head coach of USC. Okay. They're still, the Big Ten's still coming after the Trojans. I mean, there, you know, it's just body the left. brand was so down. It was horrible. Like, it's, why but would it's still you, a brand? Like, it's still a brand. It's still a brand. Yeah, you know? it's, it's just, still a brand. I mean, if, if I mean, I would have started with Oregon and Washington, maybe, but no, no but Sylvester no, Stallone serious, is no. a down is a down brand, James. But if he comes <laughs> to you and wants to make another Rocky movie, are you saying no? You know. I mean, you damn, you definitely no. But see, but that's the yeah. thing. It, it's not, it's not who the conference went after. It's who wanted to be in the conference. USC and UCLA were the ones knocking on the door. And if you have the LA market knocking on your door, then you take it, right? USC has been on everybody's list, right? The SEC, the Big Ten. I mean, I'm sure everybody has USC on the list. The way that USC finessed UCLA into the equation or how UCLA, you yeah. know, you know, the, the partnership there was is the more interesting thing. Was it the Big Ten? Was it USC? Was it UC? You know, how did mm-hmm. it come? Because you knew that USC was always going to be a target because of the football brand. And yeah. this is all, as we know, James, this is all being pushed by, by football because that's where the money is right now. And, you know, as disappointed as some of the, my UCLA brethren are, I mean, you look at the numbers and, and, and this is the issue. Whenever we talk about college sports, whatever issue it is, whether it's, you know, NIL, whether it's paying the players, because everybody, you know, I mean, I grew up a Yankees fan, right? So Yankees fans all get upset and not so much this year because they're winning, but they all want it to be the 90s again, right? Yeah. And I have to explain to them, it's not the 90s anymore. And I don't know that that 90s team would be able to win in today's Major League Baseball. And it's the same thing because we talk about college sports like when we were kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Like 1986 and Matt Stevens leading the Bruins to the Rose Bowl win over Iowa. That's a long time. I mean, it's a different planet in college athletics yeah. than it was 35 years. It really is a different planet. 
You know, the money is so increased. The TV exposure is so increased. You have full MBA CEO types now running these programs. Oh, yeah. 35 years ago, athletic directors, it was just the coach that retired most recently. Oh, let's let's bump (laughs) up my chairs. Right. 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 No, no, that's that's a good point. No, that's definitely a good point. And yeah, I mean, I I wonder how much that will factor in. Again, just I mentioned with the recruiting thing, you mentioned NIL and stuff like that. I would be curious to see now with a bigger conference and stuff like that, what that will mean for NIL and just for the athletes. Again, I'm I'm really excited to see what kind of athletes will come into UCLA. That's the biggest thing for me because I remember hearing them say, and Josh Woods talks about this all the time on the podcast, academics is something that not holding them back, but is the standard that has kind of maybe worked against UCLA in recent years to where they haven't been able to to have the teams that they've had in the past. And I hear a lot of that from UCLA fans. Why are we doing this? We should be so much better. Back in the day, we were able to get this, and we had Ken Norton Jr. and this and that. And they live and they hang on to those days. And you have a lot of – you mentioned your Jets, so they probably kind of do some of the same. But no, um, you you hang on to some of those old days, and it's like – but you want some of that to happen now. And, and sometimes it's easier to explain than others, right? But, I mean, maybe well, they yeah, can be in this conference and fall on their face. The, or, the landscape is different. Uh-huh. And UCLA is a challenging academic school, but so is Stanford. Stanford's yeah. done okay in football. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, not recently, it's, it's, but yes, I agree. With you. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story. So I got a chance at CSUN to work with, um, work with, uh, Mark Gottfried and Jim Herrick. We're both at mm-hmm. UCLA and, and Mark Gottfried told me the story when he got the head coaching job at Alabama, there's a meeting that athletic director has a meeting with all the coaches beginning of the year. And he basically gets them in an auditorium, everybody from men's basketball, all the way down to women's rowing. They all get into one room. And the athletic director basically tells them, he's like, listen, we want all you guys to do well. We're going to try to resource you as best we can. But we're just letting you know now that any, you know, prominent resources we have are going to football, you know. And they tell them that. And this is before Saban even showed up. So this is this is because Alabama is a football school, you know. Now, UCLA, this is Jim Herrick telling me, you know, he's like, the UCLA thing is they pride themselves on all the championships, right? So they view basketball and football championships just like they view women's water polo or women's soccer, you know, soccer, baseball, and that kind of stuff. And other schools simply don't do that, you know. And that's, to be fair, that's the model in the Pac-12, right? Conference champions, it's it's top to bottom. It's, you know, you're not just focused on the couple of revenue sports, but like we were talking about what's the 10-year, you know, the 10-year window. Well, you know, 20 years ago, football TV rights were worth so much. Now it's in the billions, you know. The TV deal for the Big Ten, that's what lured USC and UCL over there. Mm-hmm. A billion – I mean, some are saying the next valuation will be close to $2 billion. So you're splitting you it – now you're splitting it You're splitting it among more schools, right. but you've added – you know, let's say you add four schools and you double your valuation. I mean, that, that, mm-hmm. that's insane. It, you know, this, even in creative accounting, that's insane. And you're talking about a 20 to $40 million yearly media rate from the Pac-12 network. And UCLA, I think they're going to not the first the first two years. I think it's going to be fifty to eighty, but ultimately they're going to get upwards of a hundred million dollars in media rights. How do you not make that decision? And that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, who you don't say no to more money, right? And 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 that's that's the thing I'm curious about too. Maybe I'm changing the topic here a little bit, but you mentioned you know a Stanford coming in. I've also kind of heard maybe a Stout, uh, a Stanford and Cal coming over. You have four. You have four California right. teams, and then you, you know, you, with the way they change the schedules around every couple of years, maybe you're guaranteeing at least one California game for those teams that are originally in the in the Big Ten here coming out every year 
You're at least going to have one home game in California, something along those yeah. lines. I, so, would, I would argue Cal, Cal is kind of their insurance against Notre Dame. Yeah. Because while Cal doesn't fit their profile from an athletic mm-hmm. standpoint, academically it certainly does. Yeah. And, and I think even for USC and UCLA, Cal will find a way on the non-conference schedule if they're not in the conference, right? Of I course. think that's bound to happen. I think it's been since way before I was even born, obviously, that Cal and UCLA have played every year. Um, I think that almost got cut short during the pandemic. But when one of the – I'm blanking on the team that fell out, but UCLA had to cancel – had to reroute a game, and they were able to bring Cal in on short notice yeah. and keep that record alive. But I think they've been playing for – 50 plus years straight. So I think they're almost an automatic on the non-conference. One thing I'd be uh, curious about, and I'll have to ask Martin Jarman about here sometime in the future, um, maybe this week is what they have a big 10 team. I think it's, is it Wisconsin on the, on the schedule, like a home and home setup for a couple years with UCLA. Like, how does that, how does that work out? Do, like, do they just scrap that? No, they're probably going to be in conference play and maybe they book someone out. Like I'm, curious to see how that stuff kind of plays out there's a well, lot if, of like if, stuff if, Go ahead. if the date's already set i would think you keep that maybe they just, that, open, that opens yeah. up a non-conference slot later mm-hmm. um what's interesting is you saw that i think in 2027 ucla booked three non you know non 1a they, they booked a couple of fcs schools yeah. so I, obviously they must have known what was going on when they did that because that's yeah. obviously by the wayside now they're not playing right. those schools that schedule is going to change well heck even if you're just looking at this year like it makes you wonder like what was the thought process behind with this year? Like you have, oh yeah, what is it? Like Bowling uh, Green. It's Bowling Green, South Alabama, South Alabama, and Alabama State. All three of them at the Rose Bowl, right? I mean, I don't think it, you're gonna have a crazy rush at the ticket box for for those games in non-conference play, but it's gonna have UCLA looking pretty nice at the end of the year, assuming I'm not gonna ever say that games are guaranteed in college football, but. Assuming they go three and zero in non-conference, that already put you in some decent shape for for a bowl game, right? And, and obviously they were bowl eligible this past year, but uh, they did pretty well dodging the COVID up until that uh, bowl game, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, and and things went south and they weren't able to make that game happen. But yeah, I'm gonna be curious to see how the scheduling plays out just going forward. I think I think you make a good point there. If they're already on the schedule, maybe they keep that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just curious to see how things shake out here. Um, I think there was even what I think when the alliance stuff was starting to talk, weren't they maybe even just talk about maybe moving it to two non-conference games or, yeah. or maybe it was just all three non-conference games being a, with those other two conferences in the alliance. I mean, obviously that was all very like way out of the way talk because they didn't even have anything on paper yet for the alliance. But it should be a fun. It's just a fun time to even see what's what and what's next again. Last year when I talked to you about college football, did we have uh, USC and UCLA on the move? I thought they were far from ever being considered no, on the move. You never know. But you never know. You never you never know. I, I again I still wonder if if there's gonna be another Pac twelve team or two that do make the jump. I figure if anything, maybe they would have been a part of this initial discussion or this move already. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they're done with the Pac twelve and We'll still wait and see. Well, well, well to me, the, the rest of the moves are from the Pac-12 because we know exactly. the Big Ten has said, hey, we're waiting on Notre Dame. So that could okay. be a month, a year, two years. Who knows when they're going to make the mm-hmm. decision? The Pac-12, to me, George Klyovkov needs to move quickly and mm-hmm. really submit. He needs to make a deal with Phil Knight. And I think Phil Knight might be his biggest ally in terms of getting stuff go- going back together. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'll tell you, it, that's going to be good because now the Big 12 is in a position to potentially raid the Pac-12. And that's what you want to avoid. You know, 
And I, I do agree with you. I think if you lose Oregon and Washington, it's going to be very tough to bounce back from that. Um, and mm-hmm. you may see the end of the Pac-12, which to me would be really sad um, because I think it's been a fantastic conference. And I kind of, you know, grew up watching it, you know, especially mm-hmm. my association with UCLA, just so dialed in. But, I, you know, if I would, 10 years ago, would I have thought that there was any inkling that USC and UCLA would leave together for the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I do not. And, and I think we're headed to kind of that super – Especially on the football side, that super conference mentality where you'll have three, you know, maybe three super conferences mm-hmm. and twenty and twenty-one teams each. I think that's the thing too. It's like everyone kind of knows the super conferences are coming, and it's just a matter of when and how. But like they need to start working out some of these details now, and it kind of needs to be talked about instead of just adding. You're going to add a bunch of teams, and it's going to take four or five years before you do that. When are we actually going to get the super conferences? Well, like, you're on the clock, right? Years? Because it's two, two, it's two <laughs> years for the, it's two years for the Big Ten, and this mm-hmm. no, and this happened once before. There was a big reconstruction about 30 years ago that saw yeah. the dissolution of the Southwestern Conference, which had been a really big, you know, with Texas and SMU and TCU yeah, and all those schools kind of kind of siphoned off to the SEC and to the Big 12. All right, let's wrap it up. James Williams, again, great to always chat with you. Um, gut feel, gut feel. Yeah. Will there be, if we talk, I mean, it's been about a year since our last mm-hmm. conversation, when we talk next year, and hopefully it'll be more than that, but yeah. let's say we talk next year at this time, will there be a Pac-12 conference? Gut feel. Yes. Okay. Yes, I think there will be. I think there will be. I, okay. But that's only if Washington and Oregon stay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's my my next question was Mm -hmm. to you. All right, so what are the moves for the other leagues? So what's the Big 12's move now? Well, like you said, it's it's Notre Dame, right? Or Notre Dame for the Big 10, right? But I think right, Big 12, Big 12. So so what we've heard is they're going to try to raid the Pac-12 for the Arizona Mm -hmm. schools, Utah. I think Wilder had that. Utah, Colorado, or maybe I think it was Mm -hmm. Dennis Dodds of CBS might have had that. That yeah, there was that. I mean. I'm, that's why I'm also hearing the like the ACC, what they do there, right? I think we mentioned some of that already in them going to the SEC. I mean, they're or the really Big Ten, oh, the Big Ten. There's the Big, the Big Ten, Ten a possibility for Clemson well, well, and, and some of those. Yeah, Oregon. I think Washington Clemson wants but, SEC, right? Right, but like North Carolina and Virginia, you know, because they have the football and the, and, and the basketball to, to yeah. collateralize, uh, you know, with, with the Big Ten. Big Ten looking at the ACC as well, uh, which would be interesting. So we'll. We may see no movement. We may see a lot of movement going forth. But all right, you're a Southern California guy, Downey kid, RCC, Long Beach State. Tell me, what do you think? What are the repercussions for Southern California? Particularly, you're a big high school football guy. Is this move going to benefit the athletes who may be considering UCLA and USC? And then tell me how you think it shakes out for the schools just in terms of football and the talent pool here in Southern California. Well, that's a good point. Like, so actually just alone we've seen, and this is even before the moves, uh, the, the moves were even made, but just covering UCLA, they've benefited from a lot of, they've been able to see a lot of four-star guys and, and even a, four, a five-star guy already early commits for UCLA, both of them from the San Diego area. You had, um, what was a linebacker and a, and a receiver, I believe, but they've had, they've had like two guys already, five, four-star, five-star guy. And I'm like, wow, this is almost too early. What, what's, what's the situation here? Like, why is it's almost too early that there's still way, there's a lot of potential for flips. But if you start looking at some of these guys and knowing, Hey, two years from now, you're probably not even, you know, you join next year, maybe you red shirt, you're not playing a year. Most of your career is going to be based on big 10, right? So you start looking at a lot of these guys, even as early as now, 
looking at their commitments going forward. Um, they got uh, Kamari Ramsey in this last um, signing class. He was a four-star guy, a linebacker from Sierra Canyon. He's a local guy. They continue to they they got Inglewood pretty good this last year uh, with three guys, including Justin Martin. Obviously, Inglewood uh, was known for running up the score on a team uh, this past season <laughs> at the high school level. But I think it can only mean good things. Obviously, USC is going to continue to get who they want more, or less, not who they want, because you're still competing with Alabama and them. But you become a lot more competitive, right? And I think that's an advantage for everybody involved is that you at least want to be competitive. Because for the longest time, I would see these, you know, just not the longest time, but from covering UCLA, you would see USC be in the mix with some of the Alabamas and the LSUs, but not so much UCLA. But now I'm starting to see like UCLA a lot more. But I think it's also going to be a benefit for UCLA because it's going to push Chip Kelly and them to have to recruit more and heavier. I've seen a, I've seen them and the staff visit a lot more schools than they I feel like they usually have. The schools are saying, hey, thanks, Chip Kelly. Hey, thanks, Jerry Neuheisel. Thanks, Ken Arn Jr. for coming by our school and talking to us. But a lot of that, they're not going past Arizona or Nevada. But now if you're having the opportunities to have games um, at Rutgers, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, at Michigan, at Michigan State, maybe, again, you maybe you're not going to always get the five-star guys in those cities or, I mean, in those states because they're going to want to they're, – they're, they're fans of Ohio State. They bleed Ohio State. That's where they, they want to go. But – Chip Kelly has in his mind of, of getting the three and the four star guy, right, and making something out of them. And I think if he can get into some of these markets where, hey, your your four your your four star guy in Ohio may have just as much talent as any five star guy that could be out here in California, or that you can get in California, because all the big guys they're going to be going to Ohio State and Michigan anyways. Maybe you have more of an opportunity to get those guys in the big in the Big Ten conference and play for USC or UCLA. But of course. So it's going to come down to the homeschools, right? And I'm just, I'm just, if this was, if, if USC and UCLA were already in the Big Ten, I and and this was the time for DJ, Bryce, and CJ to all to figure out where they were going. I don't see how one, if not two, of those guys aren't in the in a USC or UCLA right now. Especially if you look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy for Alabama. To this day, he still says hometown Pasadena. How yeah. does that? How does UCLA not get Bryce Young? If if he's like, oh, he went to you. Like, how do how do you not cringe if you're a UCLA fan here? Oh yeah, I grew up going to UCLA games, and you couldn't get the guy. You couldn't. I don't even know if he was in your top ten or whatever. Like, like I don't think UCLA was even a top ten for Bryce Young. But right, it's like, right. man. How do you not get him in your door? How do you not get DJ in your door? I'm, I'm curious. DJ's brother, uh, Mateo, is a highly touted on both sides of the ball, tight end and defensive end or whatever position he wants to play. He'll have the body for it. Um, he's been making visits to USC. He's been making visits to Oregon. Um, not so much UCLA. Well, they, they, they all said it was – they all actually said it was, compet- it was a competitive. You know, hey, the, the SEC is the most competitive conference. I want to play against the best. Mm-hmm. So maybe, that's, maybe that benefits uh, recruiting. It would it would have to, right? I mean, Ohio State's been in that mix. I mean, they they've always kind of been one lot. If if you know what they lost to Oregon, so if they don't lose to Oregon and they went out the way that well, they lost to Michigan, so there was that. But if they look pretty strong all the way up into that point, maybe yeah. they're still in the hunt. And they still the way they finished the Rose Bowl, people thought, you know, they should have been in the mix. And they had some guys hurt too, but 
it's going to be competitive. And, and I mean, obviously, Ohio State isn't the level of Alabama, but they're pretty dang close to it, especially for a team that's not in the SEC. So we'll see. It, it, it's hard to say, but I think everyone benefits. Again, I think UCLA just benefits from a financial standpoint. They're getting out of the red. Uh, and, and a credit to Martin Jarman, too. I know we're wrapping things up here, but with Martin Jarman, the moves that he's made, right, just in the sense he got him through the pandemic, ex- extended Chip Kelly, brought the Jordan brand and Nike to UCLA, got out of that Under Armour deal. Um, so many, so many of this move now with, with, with the Big Ten. And that's all just one or two years. I'm excited to see what UCLA does from here as they continue to kind of, you know, the basketball program is doing pretty good, made that that run into the Final Four there. Uh not this past year, but the year before that. We'll see. We'll see. It should be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And UCLA will be, or USC will be doing its thing this year, obviously, too. Longtime UCLA fan, UCLA alum. It's sad to me that they're going to throw away 120 years of tradition. Uh, it's for a lot of money, though. You know, so it's the old, you know, the old Chris Rock bit. You know, I'm not saying they should have left the Pac-12, James, but I understand. Okay. <laughs> and with that, well, I'll leave you with that. Uh, James, James Williams. Hey. Great, uh, great seeing your trajectory as well. You know, now that you're with the, you're, you're an editor now. Wow, it's a big deal, big mm-hmm. deal with the OC Register and the yep. Southern California News Group. But you got roots at RCC, you got roots in Downey, and and it's always great to chat with you. And you always bring you always bring the knowledge. Check out his. I'm sure you're going to do a UCLA yep. podcast at some point on the Believe Network. So check out what he says. And you got to let me know when you talk to Martin. Let me know what he says. Let me know what you get from him. I will do. I'll be sure to let you know as soon as I find something out. But I'll be talking and, to him uh, sometime soon. If not, we'll just connect at some high school football highlights. That James H. Good. Williams, thanks, thanks again. <laughs>